Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. From the Financial Times, this is Hard Currency. We've been through the seismic event of Britain voting to leave the European Union. What does this mean for the UK and the rest of the world? With me to discuss this are two of the finest FX strategists in London, uh, Kit Jukes from SockGen and Simon Derrick from BNY Mellon. Gentlemen, first of all, the nature of the surprise for you, Kit. Uh, the, the surprise was that it was... Such a sharp move and such confidence by markets at the end on the betting mm. uh, and by the, the movement in, in prices that we would remain. Uh, and yet the polls weren't that wrong, really. It was close and marginally in favour of leaving. So, so the surprise was as the day unfolded uh, and we all asked ourselves, why, why is the pound going yes. up? Simon? Not a million miles different. I, I, the, the surprise for me was the fact that markets were so convinced by the political betting. When in fact, if you looked into the details of that, it was telling actually quite a different story. Uh, and as just Kit said, it was really about the polls. The polls were far more accurate for once. Let's just look look at some of the technicals. The the, the size of Sterling's fall uh, at one stage about eleven percent, uh, now coming back a bit. Um, what do we make of that size, Kit? It's a function of of the bounce before. So so the level where we are now is sort of. I mean, where we are settling in the middle of the day on Friday, not that far from the lows we saw earlier on this year. So uh, we spiked lower in the night. But I, I think this is this is in in thin markets with a big event surprise. Mm. Uh, after a big rally, I think it just tells me that that's modern markets. Further for Sterling to go next week or in subsequent weeks? I, I, you cannot rule out the possibility that you can have further weakness for Sterling. I mean, could we see something in the high 120s? Of course we can. Mm. But the fact of the matter is we're trading at pretty well and much at the bottom of a 30-year range. We've got Sterling actually trading at pretty competitive levels. Also, the reality is the market probably, apart from the short-term players, mm. Wasn't that long of Sterling going into this? Yield differential had been working against Sterling for quite a while. Sterling witness, yeah, but is this going to be a Sterling crisis? I kind of doubt it. Well, okay, let's look at the implications for all this now. I'll start with you, Simon. First of all, for the UK, we are in the middle of a constitutional crisis. To what extent is everything about the Sterling pound, the economy, going to be infected by this now? Well, you, you certainly can't discount the fact that we've got uncertainty now about who's going to be the new Prime Minister. We've got uncertainty about Scotland or about Northern Ireland. But in fairness, a lot of those issues, I think once people sit back and think about them over the weekend, may be slightly lessened in terms of the seriousness. I mean, most particularly the Scottish referendum is the story that's been floated around today. Yet the reality is that an oil price that's below $50 a barrel, it doesn't make too much economic sense to push for that. So my guess is that maybe some of these things start to fade away a little bit and we start to look about the effects elsewhere. Yeah. I think it's the dominoes that's... Uh, the, what's the next domino to fall is going to be the interesting bit. Yes, we can make too much of it from a UK point of view, Kit, can't we? 
Um, yeah, I mean, I think Sterling will fall further. Just, you know, I, I would benchmark on half a percent a, a year of lost growth. So whatever number you had yesterday, take half a percent off it for the next five years with a, with a central bank that's not going to fight Sterling weakness by raising rates with foreign investors who've been buying a huge number of UK government bonds and mm. long-dated bonds over the last 18 months, uh, who might might not, I might suggest. So I, I don't think it'll be dramatic, but I do think that after a pause, Sterling will just dribble down, you know, possibly another 10% from here against the US dollar. So yes, it's, it's, it's a slow burn move, but it, I think we're going somewhere. So therefore, Brexit in terms of the wider world and its meaning, this is where we get into the real impact, isn't it? Yeah, the first bit about it is if we lose growth, if you benchmark in your mind half a percent off UK growth and maybe a quarter of a percent off, off growth for the rest of Europe for a few years, that, that kind of number, that, that wouldn't be so bad if we were winging GDP growth globally along at 3%, but we're not. That puts us at Let's call it one and a quarter percent in Europe, one and a quarter percent in the UK. The US is slowing and is at two. Japan's not really growing. China's slowing. At that point, it's just another little things that could tip the edge. It's a roadblock of, of even bigger proportions. Yeah, there's, there's a number of pebbles you pile on and then the, mm. the, the scale tips towards something that's unsustainable. So I worry that we're slowly getting to, to something that's worse. So, so there's an economic piece that bothers me. Then there are the other issues, the precedence about who else is going to look at this and say, you know, protest votes are, uh, are becoming more popular. The debate about immigration is going to remain. And so there's a lot of other broader potential issues. Simon, what's your takeaway about the big impact of this? Well, I, I think it's absolutely right to highlight the, the, the rise of populist politics and the fact that this plays into that. <laughs> and populist politics is is across the developed world right now, and most obviously the presidential election. But where I think this really plays out is in Europe, and I think it plays out with regard to calls for referendum elsewhere. Italy, there was a, a poll carried out by Ipsos Mori not that long ago, oh, um, no. where they... they, they they asked uh, Italians whether there should be a referendum in Italy on, a, on mm. EU membership. 55% said yes. 48% said they would vote to leave the European Union. And the calls that you saw just over the course of Friday morning for actually maybe referenda and some of the more populist politicians in France and Holland and elsewhere, clearly there will be concerns that you actually you could end up with a referendum in one or more nations within the Eurozone. And the problem there is it's hard enough for us to leave and we have our own currency. But the, the ECB has been through crises of this kind. Uh, this, this is another, isn't it? It's another, and, and they obviously have less ammunition left than, than, than they had last time or the time before. You know, so the, the ECB will continue to buy European government debt, this we understand, and corporate bonds. I, I can imagine why Italian banks will buy Italian debt, Spanish banks will buy Spanish debt, and so on and so forth. Buying debt cross-currency, cross-economy... Cross not so confident. That's already on the wane in Europe. Uh, the ECB steps in, but they're going to worry about this consanguinity of, you know, Italian banks owning Italian government debt in, ex in excess. But but apart from them, who buys it except for the ECB? So we get more tied into this fragile structure. We're, we're hoping to get some economic growth and confidence back to start unwinding all of that. This delays that. And worst of outcomes... If we start seeing headline inflation head a little bit higher, you'll mm. get, you know, more uh, more bankers in Germany resistant to negative interest rates, negative 10 year bond yields uh, in a country with high savings at the same time as the ECB needs to perhaps do more. So that the whole thing gets a little bit more sort of creaky at this point. Yeah, we all trust the ECB to do whatever it takes. But 
Quite. I mean, in in when we look at the masters of the universe, do we do we conclude that central bank policymakers are, as a result of events like Brexit, even more important, or are are going to lose their potency? Well, I mean, I th- first things first. I think central bankers are, have, have been doing an astonishing job over the course of the last six or seven years, largely because politicians would astonishingly good job or astonishingly. Well, I think I, 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 I think actually, in fairness to them, they have done the very best that they possibly could have done in the circumstances, precisely because politicians relied on them. But the problem is, it's led to an astonishing imbalance in in society. Um, where the halves, the people who own assets, have benefited extremely well from that and those that didn't own assets haven't so you've seen this increasing divide between the rich and poor which has of course been the fuel for populist politics in the first place but are we getting to the point where we're going to struggle well i think negative deposit rates certainly seems to have been somewhat flawed experiments mm. we're clearly at the uh, the further edges at least for some central banks out there certainly the bank of japan as to what they can do for quantitative easing and the concern is what's next because of course the topic that keeps coming up time and time again is helicopter money and that's a very very dangerous route to go down politicians or central bank policymakers who is going to be the people we are going to rely on more well if we want to get growth, it, it, we're going to have to rely on, on structural reform finally happening. If this was Japan, we'd be saying, you know, we have bought time for the third arrow. Can someone please start doing something with this mythical arrow? Uh, and in Europe, it's the same thing, that uh, you say countries with high savings rate, the central bank can't do that much more. Let's face it, growth has not accelerated in the developed economies since interest rates went negative in Germany Uh, and Switzerland uh, Mm -hmm. last year. So it's holding the thing where it is, but it's not doing anything to accelerate, nor is it in the United States. So the politicians need to come to play. And, and, And at the heart of that is perhaps we need more fiscal easing accommodated by central banks owning more government debt, Try not to call it helicopter money because we'll, we'll decide it really isn't quite that. But it only works if we start getting some structural yeah. reform. But we're going to talk a lot about productivity in the next two years. Two final questions, gentlemen. You're both, if I can say, seasoned operators. How does uh, Brexit compare with some of the great moments in FX of the past? It, it's slower. So, so 1992, when we got booted out of the ERM, uh, it was a, a cataclysmic day. Rates up in the morning, then rates up again, then rates down, mm. then get on a plane and explain it to people. Um, that, that, that's uh, an easy one. 1985, when all the way back then, when the, the pound fell to 105 and we had, we had the plaza record, it was fast moving uh, and I was young. Um, you know, the 2008 was was dramatic you know when when Lehman went bust i mean very dramatic this has come up you know people didn't expect the outcome but i mean this has been crawling we spent 6 months you know talking about this referendum it's a known unknown in a way yeah, whereas and, lehman was an unknown unknown and so the move is slower yeah. but as you said it's a huge political event yes. and i don't think it's without major major economic implications to try to disentangle itself so it'll take time simon I think that what it actually highlights for me, Kit was mentioning when we got down to close to parity, that was the day I walked into a dealing room, actually, for the first time. But for me, I think that what happened overnight actually probably highlights more about the nature of the foreign exchange markets themselves than sterling itself. Because, yes, in absolute terms, the moving cable was possibly the the largest on record post-1968. But I think that what you're actually really talking about here is a market whereby liquidity is simply not what it was. 
clause. Yeah. The veneer of liquidity, something that was proved by the Swiss franc event back in January of last year. We've just seen exactly the same thing again. And maybe that's one of the other lessons we need to take away this. This is not the foreign exchange market we grew up with. I, I, I will I will counter by saying, but at least, you know, oh, through the night, the foreign exchange market took the lead. It has cleared. It is doing its job. A weaker pound is part of the... It's part of the, the safety valve, the, 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 the cushion that helps offset the economic <laughs> impact. And the foreign exchange market does work. So I'm, I would throw that out. No, I think you're absolutely right. Here's, here's the final question then. Um, you, you both uh, have been on the go all the last 24 hours. And you haven't had a chance to sleep on it. But when the penny dropped and you realised Britain has voted to leave the European Union, how did you feel and how big a deal do you think it is? I, I, <laughs> I think by the time we got to that point, I was already feeling <laughs> too tired to actually really wait to, to feel a strong emotion about it. But in terms of how big a deal it is, it, of course it's a big deal because it has huge implications, not just here, but throughout the global system. And I think that you can't underestimate what this means for the Europe and for the Eurozone. And for me, I've been a big believer that one of the constant themes through my career is uh, the almost suicidal nature of European currency policy. And I think that this is one of the things that's going to end up testing it. So, mm. yeah, I think it's a big deal. Kit? Someone told me after the first conference call I did with clients at six o'clock this morning, by which time <laughs> I was quite tired, that I sounded very sad. Uh, and I think, you know, whatever else happens, you know, I, I, I certainly had some fear in the bottom of my stomach about the unknown that th this is going to cause political after effects. I, I've grown up, brought up in Paris, studied in London, worked in Frankfurt. I've brought up wandering around Europe, loving Europe. And, and, and that doesn't mean you're supposed to love the single currency or want the mm. UK to be part mm. of the EU necessarily. But this whole establishment of a harmonious, broadly speaking, European continent with trade and movement of people and goods and services is worth protecting. And it was a lovely day in London today, wasn't it? It was a cracking day. I was, um, I was at Lord's yesterday evening um, where cricket was not on the agenda. <laughs> My thanks to uh, Kit Jukes of Sockgen and Simon Derrick of BNY Mellon. Uh, that's it for Hard Currency this week. And a momentous week in the world of foreign exchange and in the political future of the United Kingdom. Join us again next week for Hard Currency. In the meantime, goodbye. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com.